You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I'm so excited for you to uh, hear today's interview with Melissa Guller. So Melissa has many jobs, but most importantly, she is the head of special projects at Teachable, which I love Teachable, it's a great product. And she also helps uh, develop female entrepreneurs with the kindling. So Melissa, thank you so much for being on the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Welcome. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about you and what you do and how you kind of got into this whole online space. Yes, so I think I have what I would call oldest child syndrome. (laughs) <laughs> I've always wanted to set a good example for my two younger sisters. And I think that's kind of how I naturally fell into like teaching and helping and what can I do for you role. Because growing up, I always wanted to make sure they were set up to be as successful and as happy as possible. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm moving into, you know, stages of my career where I'm in more senior levels, I found that what really lights me up is when I get to help empower other people to pursue really great work. So yeah. By day, I work full-time at Teachable, and the tool I just love, I'm so happy to hear you say that you like Teachable too, and what drew me to the company um, is just the fact that the tool lets anybody transform their knowledge into income. So whether that means you enjoy watercolor painting, you enjoy card magic, you enjoy digital marketing, you can share any of those skills on Teachable's platform. Um, So I loved that the business itself really supported entrepreneurs. And then on the side, I'm a bit of a side hustle queen myself. I really love this teaching that I mentioned. So almost three years ago, I started teaching at General Assembly New York. So I teach Excel and data analytics courses. Yeah, I love it. I really am such an Excel nerd, like a shameless, shameless Excel nerd. I love me a good spreadsheet. I I do too. I love to make a good (laughs) chart. Like... One of the clients I'm working with, they didn't have any, they didn't have a good reporting system. So I was like, I'm going to make a color-coded chip chart in Excel. And I was like, God, I'm such a nerd. But like the <laughs> best kind of nerd, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then I guess my last few things, I also have online courses. So I teach a management course it's called What Great Managers Do Differently on Skillshare with about 1,400 students. And then most recently, I've launched this community called The Kindling because I really want to empower more millennial women specifically, um, just to start online businesses, blogs, podcasts, Mm -hmm. and to get their knowledge out there. I think it's so important. So I guess I wouldn't say I'm a very small dreamer, (laughs) but I certainly enjoy helping empower people to just move towards their, you know, big dreams. That's amazing. I, so how did you get into this whole space? Like how, I mean, I know you said you've always wanted to make an impact, but I'm sure there was a, a start to it. Do you, can yeah. you remember that? I think it was in college when I first realized that my actions had an impact. And I feel lucky that I went to, I went to the University of Miami. And even though I was in the music school, I was, which 
first of all, hello, music degree. Look where I am now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's most of us. I think yeah. in the past, you know, five to 15 years, like to, once you get your degree in, does not really matter. I say that all the time. Yes, I have a degree in communications and marketing, but when I graduated, social media and digital marketing was in its, its like newborn phase. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much had to teach myself everything that I do now. <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, in college, I had this music degree, but I was also involved in student life. I was an RA. I was uh, in a sorority. I brought the post-secret event to campus. Oh, that's cool. And it's just, it's crazy to think back that even at age 20, I was able to bring like a 500 person event about a community that I loved to college. And I was lucky, I think, that I went to a university that really empowers students. A lot of the educators and administrators there are so student focused, and they really pushed me to become the leader that I am today and to, you know, practice servant leadership and really serving others. And I feel so grateful to have had mentors like that, fellow students who were, you know, driven and trying to do good in the world. And so that's when I felt this potential inside me, this like, oh my gosh, I can, I can do something. And so I, when I graduated college, I started working in corporate events because I loved the feeling of people coming together um, around some kind of knowledge or experience. And although I really enjoyed working in corporate events, and I did that for about two and a half years, I didn't love being on the road as often as I was. Yeah. I think traveling that much for work is a little bit uh, glamorized. Like mostly I was just in hotel rooms <laughs> and conference centers. Um, so that wasn't quite the right fit. But I knew from all of those experiences that I loved being around people sharing knowledge. Um, So from there, that's really where I started working in the ed tech space, education tech, Mm -hmm. and also teaching myself. So that was kind of the drawing force between all of the roles that I've had, both full-time and on the side, is that I've always tried to find opportunities where I could either share knowledge or help share other people's knowledge. That's amazing. So how do you balance all these different um, roles and ideas and just are you going constantly or are you very organized I I would say both I am (laughs) very organized I think I've worked really hard to make sure that I find a time and place for everything that's important to me so obviously you know my full-time role is something I really enjoy that's important to me and has a pretty prescribed set of hours not so much I mean that I have to you know clock in and clock out, but I have fairly normal full-time work hours. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, I'll wake up in the morning and work on my business. And some days I like to go to a coffee shop and spend time researching new ways that I can help support more women in their online businesses or working on uh, finding podcast guests for my own podcast, figuring it out, where I interview successful women running online businesses. And then uh, this doesn't sound very sexy, but I also treat my social life the way that I would treat my side hustle. So by that, I mean at the start of the week when I set goals for what I want to accomplish at work or in my business, I also figure out like which friends do I need to see this week? Who should I text so that I could hang out? What day this week am I going to call my mom? Has it been too long since I've been in touch with my family? And so I'm also pretty intentional about blocking off time for family, for when I do yoga, um, for just hanging out in New York and trying new restaurants. So it doesn't sound very, I don't know. I think we have this impression of like, Oh, everything is so carefree. Like by the season, 
I am not that. Like I have no chill, but I don't mean that I'm not easygoing. I just mean that I'm really intentional about how I spend my time. So yeah. I have to I'm put in effort, I would say. I'm exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. I live by my time blocking calendar. Like that has literally changed my life because mm-hmm. before it just feels like you're just juggling all these things and you keep dropping them because you're never making yourself or other people happy and you forget to call people. And yeah, exactly. Like, just blocking things out. Even if it's just like, this is the time that I'm going to eat dinner. This mm-hmm. is the time that I'm going to do yoga. This is the time that I'm going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and drink wine. Yeah. Like, I think you have to allow yourself the space for that. Like yeah. it's easy when, cause I know I have so many projects and especially with things like my podcast or the kindling, the output in the business is exactly as much as I put into it. Yep. So it's tough to feel like I could always be doing more, but you have to give yourself permission to just chill and watch Netflix. Like that's important to just find time to read a book or see friends because if you're always trying to build and build and do business stuff, you're going to burn out so quickly. Yes. And I think you talked about time blocking. There was a real aha moment for me when I looked at my calendar and realized that the only things I had scheduled were things that other people asked of me. Oh, yeah things that other people had wanted me to attend. And I realized that none of it was really coming from me or ways that I wanted to spend my time with myself. And so that's when I started getting really intentional about figuring out when I was going to work out, when I was going to call my parents, when I was going to hang out with friends in Williamsburg and Brooklyn where I live. Um, I wanted to decide how I spent my time, not just let other people decide how I spent my time. Yeah, that's amazing. So do you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? I think I know, but I'm always interested to hear what you think you are. I think, well, I think you might be surprised. So I would say I'm more of an introvert. And when I was a kid, I was so, so shy and so quiet. I mean, I would make my younger sister order for me at restaurants. That's the level with which I did not want to talk to humans. And I was just always, you know, nose in a book. Uh, I basically just wanted to be Hermione Granger. That was the goal when I was a kid. Um, But now I really made a decision, I I would say in college, because that was a time where as a freshman, everybody was new. And it was so freeing to me to realize that we were all kind of in this boat together where everybody Mm -hmm. was looking for new friends. And that made me feel a little bit more brave to just try talking to people and so add that I think being in a sorority and being involved in a lot of leadership initiatives in college and being an Mm -hmm. RA helped me get more comfortable talking to people. And then moving to New York after college, I didn't know anybody. So Mm. this is about six years ago at this point. I just up and moved. And about a month in after I was kind of almost done unpacking, it hit me. I was sitting on my bed. I remember it vividly. And I was like, oh my God, like what just happened? People had kept telling me I was (laughs) going to move here, but I didn't let it sink in. I just kind of, you know, moved forward. But there have been just so many times where I've been new and I've had to learn how to talk with people. And now I'm at a point where I would say it's like 40% introvert. No, 40% extrovert, 60% introvert, a little more on the introverted side. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do enjoy hanging out with people, but I absolutely, I need time to like re-energize afterwards. Um, So I I need both in my life, but I'm a bit more introverted. Yeah. I'm laughing because that sounds just like me. Um, (laughs) I was that same kid. Like really? Every picture of, not every picture, but a lot of pictures of me at family gatherings is me sitting in the corner reading a book. Like, mm-hmm. I was such a nerd, um, but I still love reading. And I really feel like introversion, because people never believe me when I say I'm an introvert. 
Um, because I love talking to people. I love connecting with women. I love, I lead, I'm in leadership roles too. I lead a big networking group, like all that stuff, but it's all about energy for Mm -hmm. me. I covet my time alone. I covet my time in the morning where I can journal and meditate. I covet my time at night where I just read for an hour or two and I don't talk to anybody. I turn off my phone. That's how I get back that energy. Because after a full day of working with clients, um, you know, working on my other projects, doing podcast interviews, doing calls, my brain is exhausted. And mm-hmm. I just have to get that energy back. So I, fully- I think that's a common misconception that it's um, extroverts like being around people and introverts don't like being around people. I think that's a real myth. But I believe that the way that it's defined in like Myers-Briggs and some of those personality tests is that it's where you find your energy. Yep. So it's not just about being outgoing. It's not about how social you are. It's just if you find yourself energized being around people or if being alone gives you energy. But both sides of the spectrum can enjoy people's company. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes I really want to be around people, and sometimes I'm like, I cannot people today. Like, totally. I, I need I think we to. all need both, you know? Even the most extroverted people I know, they still need time by themselves. Yeah, some of them. I have some friends who are extreme introvert or extroverts, and they they get antsy if they don't see people. And yeah. I, I work alone all day. I mean, it's just me and my dogs. And mm-hmm. I'll be like, wow, I haven't, like, seen another person besides my husband in you know, a week. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably, I should probably go out into the world and talk to some people. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's super interesting. So do you have any type of routine that kind of helps you start your day and get on a good note for the week or the day? Oh, I have tried. <laughs> I know that every advice book tells you to have a morning routine, to have a ritual. And I've tried quite a few. I've tried, you know, waking up and doing yoga in the morning. I've tried meditating. I've tried the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. I've mm-hmm. tried, um, I don't remember if I've already said reading. So I've tried quite a few things. And what is working for me currently is that I will wake up and either write a little bit. I'm working on, um, you know, more blog posts and really building out the knowledge that I can share through the kindling or I will read in the morning. And I tend to like reading either self-help or business or psychology books in the morning, like starting my day off with some knowledge Mm -hmm. or inspiration. And then I also really like fiction and I tend to read those in the evenings or on the weekends. Um, But I don't have a set routine. I know that I should. This is the other thing is there's so many shoulds in the world of entrepreneurship. And like, to be perfectly honest, I feel like I'm just kind of trying out different approaches to the morning routine and have been for like five years. And right now it's, you know, the reading or the writing, but we'll see. Ask me again in three months. We'll see how that's going. (laughs) And that's okay. Because I mean, what I do is I kind of do a combination of that. Like I wake up and I meditate for like 10 minutes and then I will write and then I will read. And so it's kind of a mixture of all that. And it's, it's a good way to like engage your brain in different ways. And I too read like nonfiction or like spiritual or psychology books in the morning. And then I read fiction at night because fiction is a good way to like wind down your brain, I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So 
I don't feel like you should feel guilty. Everybody, I've changed my routine so many times. Yeah. And there's some days where I'm like, I don't feel like getting up at six or seven. Like I want to totally. sleep in. I feel like so okay. much. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like so much of being an entrepreneur or having any project is just the ability to be kind to yourself because there is no way that you're going to do everything that you hope to do. There's no way it's going to be done perfectly. And that's totally fine. Like nobody else is doing everything 100% by the book either. We're all just kind of doing our best. And so my overall life motto for most things is like, done is better than perfect. And I always just try to talk to myself and my brain the way that I would talk to a friend. Like I would never berate a friend for not having a morning routine. And so I try that on myself too. And I'm pretty at ease with the fact that I'm just testing out different morning routines to see what works best for me. Um, but yeah, you can't do it all. But I also hope that listeners don't feel like they have to. Yeah, that's so true. So if you guys feel guilty, don't. Yeah. Just try some things out because, you know, just creating a habit, even if it's just getting up and like stretching is good for your brain. Just mm-hmm. do something that feels good. My One of my good friends always says, treat yourself like a toddler. So <laughs> if you need a nap, if you need a snack, if you want to sleep in some more, if you just want to read a book, like just treat yourself like a toddler. Just treat yourself with kindness. Something else that helped me too is I realized that when I was first trying to have a morning workout routine, this is a couple of years ago, um, because the longest standing habit I did have for a while was working out in the mornings. And um, I did really enjoy that. But right now, I'm just, I happen to be focusing on business. But anyway, in the mornings, I realized that the habit building of going to work out in the morning, the hardest part was not actually working out for me. It was just waking up. So as phase one of setting the new habit, I just decided I was going to wake up at the same time every day and like put some workout clothes on and then hang out in my apartment. But I found that more often than not, if I could just get out of bed and put my clothes on, I would go to the gym. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of break it down into smaller habits and figure out where the real friction is, that could be helpful too. And I forget which celebrity does this, but there's some celebrity, I'm so sorry, I can't give them credit, but they (laughs) wake up every morning, they get dressed, they go to the gym, but if they get there and they don't want to work out, it's fine. They bring a book or a magazine and then they just read. It's the habit of getting up and going that they want to make sure that they don't break. Mm. Yeah. I I thought that 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 was interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one of the hardest things for me too because I just am like, oh, I don't want to get up and do it. I know I should. And it's back to all those shoulds. It's like you said, there's so many shoulds as a female entrepreneur. We mm-hmm. should be constantly learning. We should be making this much money. We should be networking. We should have a podcast. We should have a YouTube channel. Like, oh my gosh. Sometimes I feel so overwhelmed with the shoulds. I feel overwhelmed all the time with all of that. At least I did when I was first getting started. Um, I think what's been helpful for me, and this sounds like obvious advice, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that you should do what feels good to you. Yep. Like if you enjoy being on video, YouTube is a great choice. But if you do not feel comfortable creating video, it's totally fine for you to not focus on YouTube. Same thing with social media. I think a common misconception is that you have to grow a presence on every platform. And certainly you can talk about this too, but I really think that you should find the one that maybe the two where you feel comfortable or where you think that your audience is and just focus your efforts there and don't feel like you have to be, you know, a Jane of all trades. Be like the master of one instead. Yes. I try to impart that to my clients all the time. 
because I always do a an audit of their social media and I'm mm-hmm. shocked all the time of clients who they've opened up every conceivable <laughs> like social media platform and they've all either done nothing to them or they're just doing them really poorly mm. I'm like well you're a I don't know like a kid's t-shirt company like you're your clients are probably not going to be on Twitter. Why are you on Twitter? Like, it's just thinking of things like that. They just think, oh, an expert told me I need to be on there, so I'm mm-hmm. going to be on there. But they're doing a bad job, and no one's going to see their stuff. So really, yeah, I like that. Just focus on a couple things where you enjoy interacting on those platforms and where you can actually shine, and your clients or customers customers will be there. Mm-hmm. Yes, well said. Yeah. So I completely get that. It drives me nuts. <laughs> so what do you feel like your biggest challenge has been as an entrepreneur? I think we actually are touching on it currently. There's just this overwhelm of options. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is if you try to do research on what's the best group, you know, what's the best way to grow your online audience? Um, what should I do first? What's the best business topic? The amount of advice on the internet is varied. There are no two experts who are saying the same thing and they've found success in very different ways themselves. And so I think where I get caught up is deciding what is best for me. And then sometimes I'll feel this like decision paralysis over if I made the right choice or not. And I think two things that have helped me are one, realizing that I can change anything later. So when I launched my podcast, I just am wrapping up season one. It's called Figuring It Out. And for season one, I wasn't totally sure which direction I wanted to take the bigger business I knew I wanted to build. So I just decided to speak to ambitious millennials about anything in their life, relationships, work, and more. And so I kept season one kind of broad. But now that I've had a chance to interview some people, to do more research, to talk with listeners... I've realized that where my true passion is, is in talking about entrepreneurship and specifically to help elevate more women and to give them the tools that they need to be successful and the community support. So now for season two, I'm starting to focus specifically on female entrepreneurs who have found early success in their businesses. And I just went into it and I was like, you know what, if I wait for this perfect podcast idea to appear, I am never going to start. So I just made the decision to start anyway and just give myself the permission to change anything later on. Like nothing is set in stone. Yeah. So that was the big one. And then the second thing that I've dealt with a lot with making decisions and feeling this overwhelm is that when I make a decision, I'm just trying to be kind to myself and trust that it's the best decision I can make in the moment. Again, I can change it later. But if I'm reading two conflicting things, like should I do a podcast or a blog? Should I use WordPress versus Squarespace? Should I do X or Y? Like in any of those scenarios, I can either go with a gut feel, which has served me pretty well, or I've started using like weighted scoring systems. So Mm -hmm. for example, if I was choosing a topic for a blog, I could list out, you know, 10 different topics I think I might be interested in, but then kind of run through and say, well, am I an expert on this topic? Do I enjoy researching this topic? Can I imagine products clearly in this space? Can I imagine a clear ideal customer? Um, Is this something that I have connections in? I mean, I could list on and on, Mm -hmm. but having that kind of weighted scale would help me narrow down a topic because I found that my well-intentioned friends who are so supportive and so wonderful, most of them are not starting online businesses. 
Yep. And most of them are not my target customer. Yep. So helping or listening to them, I should say, was um, they, they're wonderful for support, but not necessarily great for like business advice. So the weighted scale and also just gut feeling, like I went with Squarespace over WordPress because WordPress made me want to rip my hair out. I was so frustrated. And other people have had really wonderful experiences. But personally, Squarespace is a better fit for the way that I understand how to build a website. And so that was the right choice for me, regardless of what any online article recommended. Yeah. So yeah, the overwhelm is huge. And I would say to recap, the first one is just like, know that you can change things later. And the second is like, do what feels right for you, no matter what the internet says. Yep. Those are all so, so true. Because the amount of information makes me want to pull my hair out too. It's really overwhelming. And that's when most of my clients come to me and they're like, I just did hours of research and I still don't know. And I'm like, okay, and that's when you hire an expert. That's when you say, please take this over because I don't really know what to do and I'm wasting time and I'm not making money because I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure this stuff out. I know. What, are, what challenges are you dealing with currently? Can I turn and ask you? Yeah, yeah. So my biggest challenge is, so I keep telling people, so I've been doing this for six years on my own and this has been both the greatest year of my business and the hardest because I'm really trying to up level. Mm-hmm. And I totally shifted my focus from being, like you said, a Jane of, of all trades. I literally was like, you're going to give me money? Cool. I'll do whatever yeah. you want. I'll write blog posts. I'll do social media management. I'll do ads. You know, whatever. I'll do it. And I had no boundaries. And I had no set prices. Like, I just was just so fly by the seat of my pants because I just thought, oh, it's better to be flexible than find a niche. Even though people say, you know, the riches are in the niches, I thought that was stupid. <laughs> but it's hard I realized, to yeah, I realized actually, no, the riches are in the niches. So I spent a lot of time on me this year, um, which I've had to get over that guilt of working on self-development. So I've really figured out what my goals are, what my message is, and what I actually love doing. So I just now focus on Uh, Facebook ads and digital strategy for female entrepreneurs. So I've kind of decided that my, no, not kind of, I have decided Mm -hmm. that my whole mission is I empower women to empower women. So I help women successfully speak about their messages and what they do so they can help other female entrepreneurs and other businesses grow and do good for the world. And that just makes me happy. It makes my soul sing. And yeah, the biggest challenge has been, I think, kind of getting over my fear of success as I've gotten more and more recognition, more and more growth, more and more money, bigger clients. I've had to get over that imposter syndrome that all of, not all of us, a lot of women struggle with. Because I think, well, who am I to you know, have this when someone else has been working so hard. And that doesn't mean that other woman does, doesn't have a seat at the table or I can't get there. It's just, you know, right now it's happening for me and I need to own that and step into that confidently just like a man would. Yes. No, I totally agree with you on the imposter syndrome. And I think what is often challenging is I'll look around and see that there are so many successful women doing things that are extremely similar to what I'm doing. Yeah. And I can't help these doubts 
they creep in and it's like, uh, like who am I, Melissa, to do this when somebody else is doing such a good job? Like why wouldn't women just go to her? And the thing that I keep coming back to is that I have a unique perspective. I have a unique way that I talk to people and nobody wouldn't, if I was a restaurateur, like I wouldn't not create a restaurant just because other restaurants existed. People mm-hmm. like different food. They like different experiences. They live in different places. They like different price points even. So I just keep trying to tell myself that there's plenty of room for all of the women who want to empower women or build communities or support women building businesses, blogs, podcasts, whatever it might be. But it's hard to let go of. I think it's really easy, easier maybe than ever in 2018 to compare yourself to others. And it's very tough to kind of put that to the side and just say, I'm going to focus on being my best version and there's room for everybody at the table, like you said. It is. It's hard. I I had to actually... I left 200 <laughs> Facebook groups. I was in so many. You like, were in 200 Facebook groups? Yes. I was oh, my in, God. I, was I had two, like a visceral reaction of anxiety. <laughs> I know. I, I just left 200 of those um, like a week or two ago, and now I'm in 20. I'm only in paid Facebook groups, like ones that are like I, I did courses of or – they're from like the coaches I'm working with, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I'm really being intentional, intentional about where I put my energy because I would literally scroll through Facebook and it would just be like, add, add, self-promotion, self-promotion. Women, yeah, women being like, look how great I am. And I was like, oh, should I be doing that? Or is that sleazy? Like, it was just this constant barrage of feeling like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. So one of my main mantras or two of my main mantras are like, I am worthy and I am enough because I just need to think about that all the time because it's just, like you said, it's so exhausting coming up against all these other women doing the same thing. But I know, just like you said, that the right clients, the ones that I love working with, they find me and they go, I love your energy. I, you're clearly great at what you do. I have to work with you. It's not a struggle. It's not let me price compare and wiggle on the prices. It's they are ready to do the work when they come to me. I love that. And I love too that you're, it's like a focus on what, what we are doing instead of worrying about what we're not doing and unfollowing all those Facebook groups. I've talked with friends about something similar, which is that they used to mention things like almost hate following people on Instagram, which was a new Oh yeah, I used to do that and I totally stopped. (laughs) It's so tough. And like the best comparison I can make is that when I was trying to eat healthier because living a healthy lifestyle is important to me, I stopped bringing ice cream and snacks into my home. I would still go out and eat ice cream when I was just, you know, enjoying time with friends. But if I bring snacks into the home, I will eat them. If you follow people on Instagram, you will see them. And you will constantly be reminded of either the lifestyle that you don't have, or I had to unfollow a lot of dessert accounts because I do like to bake, but like just seeing all of it made me too hungry. Um, Or with the Facebook groups, you just see all of these people and there's a certain kind of energy Uh in the free groups that is kind of a draining, self-promoting kind of energy that I'm personally not super fond of. And so I love your recommendation of just like remove yourself from the situation, unfollow people, relentlessly unsubscribe from emails, remove yourself from the Facebook groups, just put yourself in situations that have the kind of energy that you want to have yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is key. And I know so many people are like, Oh, 
that's so hard. I'm like, yeah, it's time consuming to leave all those groups. It's time consuming to unfriend people that don't give you energy and don't support you. But in the end, you're going to see that feed every single day. And that's going into your subconscious. That's going into your, your energy and your soul and all that woo wooiness. Like it's, it impacts your day and your success. And I don't know, I'm all about just kind of staying in my own lane and speaking to my people. And that used to not be me, but now, yeah, I just want to do my thing and I don't really care anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough because like you said, it, it takes a little bit of effort to remove yourself from any of those situations. But then think about how much time you waste just seeing all of these people on the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's like a rip the bandaid off. If you take care of it once. And even I would say too, like start following people who bring a positive approach or helpful information into your life. I think it really pays off. It's kind of like that expression that you become most like the five people you spend time with. I also think that you become a bit like the people you follow on the internet because that's the kind of information you see all the time. Yes. I I have several Instagram accounts that I I check their stories every single day. One of them being like Rachel Hollis. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with her. Yes, I, I love her. That. Her book is amazing. You guys need to read Girl, Wash Your Face if you mm-hmm. haven't yet read it. So I'm obsessed with Rachel Hollis. She is my dream podcast guest. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I are exactly the same age, but I feel like she has such success that it's almost like daunting. Like I'm like, oh, I'll never get to meet her. I'll never get to talk to her. But I don't know. She seems like an approachable person. And um, yeah, I just love her energy and she's so positive. I love her. Um, I love Ruthie Lindsay. I follow her on Instagram. I'm obsessed with her. Um, oh, I, I love her. Yeah. She is this incredible blogger and interior designer. She hangs out with all these, um, really cool, like photographers and musicians and stuff. And she has this really cool story about how, she had she was in this like crazy car accident and she was dealing with like chronic pain for years and years and years and now she just doesn't care anymore like she just she's like yeah I'm gonna be in pain but I'm gonna live my life I'm gonna travel I'm gonna do what I want to do it's it's a really inspiring story and then who else do I love oh I love following Retta like Retta is oh my god yes she's hilarious I was making a K-cup the other day, and I sang her a little, like, black magic, like, whenever she makes coffee, and I was like, where is that from? And I was like, oh, it's from Reddit's Instagram stories. Uh, I love basically the entire cast of Parks and Rec. Me too. I want to be Leslie Nope when I grow up. Same. I've had um, some friends describe me as a mix between Leslie Nope and April for a bit of this. I have a pretty dry sense of humor. I am too. I love April, actually. I, mm-hmm. She's hilarious. Also, the if anybody is into this, Making It, Amy Poehler. Oh and my the god, I love that show. It's, it's just maybe the most delightful television on air right now. Between that and Queer Eye, like, yes. all the feels, I think... Queer Eye yes. makes me cry, and making, <laughs> making it, it makes me just want to, like, go learn how to felt things. Yes. And the <laughs> puns. They're on oh. fire with the puns. I love it. Oh, my god! It's gosh. so inspiring, too, to see these makers, like, people mm-hmm. making things physically, 
with their own two hands. Like I can't do any of that, but I do really enjoy doing creative things. Um, but yeah, so we talked earlier about like the time blocking and finding time for yourself. Like listeners, find some time, pick one of these shows and just like invest in yourself for an hour. Yeah. I'm so glad you did. It's not wasted time. It's no. really, they're both really inspiring. And I don't know, it's dark times in the United States. If you're not from the United States, you probably don't understand right now, but it's some dark times. And uh, we need some positivity in the world and making it. And Queer Eye offers that. Yes, 100%. <laughs> when, you just, when you don't want to watch the news anymore and throw things at the TV. So. <laughs> yes, and reruns of Parks and Rec always. Yeah. Well, this has been super fun. Uh, where can people find you on the internet in all your many uh, various jobs? <laughs> yes, the best place to find me is at jointhekindling.com. That's where I am the most active and just kind of working on building this really great community of millennial women building their own blogs, podcasts, their online businesses. And you can also find me on Instagram at Melissa Guller. I have finally figured out how Instagram stories work. I am attempting to be funny on the internet, um, but those are the two main places that I'm hanging out nowadays. That's awesome. I love Instagram stories. I'm not as good at updating them as I should be because I have this block around like, oh, I'm not clever enough or I'm not offering value or I feel like I always end up just posting like pictures of my dogs or like. We love dogs. What's wrong with this? I know, I know. <laughs> I just follow so many, like, amazing coaches who are like, let me show you these beautiful, like, images of Bali and, you know, just super inspiring things that I'm like, oh, hmm, I'm just going to post a quote and my dogs. <laughs> no, I love it. I found, too, like, as kind of a parting thought, like, I'm trying to have my personality shine through in everything that I do. Like for a while, I thought I had to write these like beautifully crafted blog yes. posts, beautifully crafted, crafted Instagram. But I have a very quirky sense of humor that I think kind of sets me apart. And so I'm just embracing it and making all of the kinds of jokes that apparently my friends do enjoy in real life and hoping that they translate on the internet. So I would just say I'm trying to be more of myself and share that with a broader audience. Which is what I preach to my clients all the time because the best clients I've had uh, are because people saw my real personality and they said, I want to be friends with her and I want to work with her because she seems awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So embrace your quirks, everybody. That's our, our ending thought for the episode. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. This has been a treat and I hope you guys have a wonderful day and you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, thanks Until next time. Me. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.